Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thank you so much, as always, for clicking on the podcast. Uh, if you've shared it as well, thank you ever, ever so much. It is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as rss.com. I'm joined tonight once again by my very good friend, Nat McCartney. It's been a long time coming, this one. We started it back in August, and here we are. How are you doing, man? Are you ready for another another I, slice I'm, of all of the rings? Yeah, absolutely. I am very, very excited to finally get back to this. So, May, Gavan and Joe, I am very, like, rocking and raring. Life just got in the way, didn't it? You know, we, we were planning to kind of do these all together, like, you know, at least a good time apart, but it's three months later, and still not done. <laughs> The second one, but that's going to change tonight. We are going to uh, do the two towers. Well, I, I think we should just dive straight in. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this film. I mean, it, it was the highest-grossing film of two thousand and two, um, and it still pretty much makes money. Obviously, makes money now when it's getting re- reruns at the cinemas and stuff. So this, I would definitely say, is like the my overall favorite because I do think it's like the perfect amount of storytelling. But then, like, it is just absolutely packed to the brim of, like, just fantastic, um, like, special effects. And then just uh, a lot of that action that I think people were really looking forward to yeah. for this particular film anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Most people I speak to do say that The Two Towers is their favourite for pretty much all those reasons that you've just, men- mm. just mentioned there. Um Weirdly, though, this is the lowest rated on IMDb of the of the three, which is uh, which is interesting. interesting. They're all very close very to very close to one another, but they're uh, this is the this, obviously it's eight point seven, so it's not like it's <laughs> like it's terrible <laughs> or anything. But yeah, no. was, uh, I thought that was quite interesting. To say it's a lot of people's favourites. This is probably the film that gets used it a is, lot within it? meme culture. I would say, yeah, it there's, is. There's, there's so many memorable things that happen in this film. There's then been used within a lot of the pop culture that surrounds it in memes anyways we could go on and we could talk about you know this and that but the main let's talk about the reason that we're here which is obviously lord of the rings the two towers the film peter jackson once again absolutely nailing it what an opening being able to see obviously the aftermath of of what happens in the minds of of moria Mm, mm. again yeah just touched upon the special effects in this sequence unbelievable yeah, absolutely. I think the the thing that always sticks out for me is just the absolute stunning shots of the Misty Mountains. Yeah. And what I, I found really interesting is that, um, so this was aerial shots done with helicopters and whatnot. And this has now become so iconic that it's used in like, I've seen it in lots of other films as yeah, well. Yeah, it's in Battle like the Begins. Ways. Like, it is, isn't yeah, it? It's like, in Battle so, Begins, yeah. Um, thank you. I, I couldn't remember off the tip of my tongue which one it was, but yeah, it is in Batman Begins. And I was just like, hold, when I first watched that, I was like, hold on a second. Those mountains <laughs> look very suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, and it's just become something that gets used like quite often. Um, I've seen it on like YouTube videos, like, you know, for like those sort of like nice panning shots of like calming music and stuff. So iconic just in itself. And like you said, the... I absolutely love this recap back to Gandalf. I really like the touch of the echoes of hearing them inside the mind. Yes. You're hearing it from the outside and it obviously takes you straight back so you know what you're about to, to see. And it's just a yes. nice touch in that shot. I think the only, well, obviously, the only digital shot in that entire, the opening is is when the camera goes through the, uh, the yes. cave to bring us to, to the You Shall Not Pass. I know that obviously the way that they filmed it, it was 
you know, all three films simultaneously filmed and then, you know, post-production was all done in release of the time of when it needed to go out to theatre. But for me, I just, I just, I, I can't get my head around just how magical that the CGI has just held up, you know, 20 years later. Yeah. It just looks fantastic. The Balrog, like, just, you know, he, he just looks amazing. Um they did such an amazing job with the rendering and just, you know, that the real like care and attention to detail with mm. making him look as terrifying as possible is just, yeah, it was just flawless. One of my favorite shots, sorry, in the entire film, The Two Towers, is in this moment. And it's that wide shot of you just seeing, you see obviously the, the below with all the, the water and, and whatnot. And obviously, yes. you see the little almost like figures of just the dots and the light of Gandalf and yeah. Balrog falling and it lighting up the room. It's just a, it's just a perfect, perfect wide shot. And again, it's great. You've seen yeah. CGI with that as well, but it's, it's, yeah. it's so it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time. Cause you remember what happened in, in the fellowship, but to see it, you know, to see Gandalf like kicking some serious ass, let's be honest. Like he gives him, he gives oh, him yeah. what for with that sword. Yeah. As soon as he, grabs hold of Glamdrin, however he managed that, you know, some some speed diving that we get to see from Gandalf and then just start slashing away. Absolutely. And I've mentioned in my notes that this is like um, a good like little twist of fate because we, we get that reveal of like what actually starts to happen after the fall. Um, yes. And I thought like even back then I was just like, oh, so he's not just falling to his death. Like he's going to go out with a bang. Like he's going to try and take down this Balrog to the last bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Gandalf, rather man. than him just, you know, rather than just like falling and floating yeah. away into the into the abyss and into nothingness. So yeah, I absolutely found it like, the first time watching it, I thought, oh, this is so good. I was then put in my next notes, we realized that almost in a way that like what this dream has kind of felt to Frodo is just a dream. And actually he doesn't know the truth around Gandalf. All, all he has yeah. is his memory of just seeing him fall. Poor old Frodo, he can't catch a break in this uh, in this trilogy, can he? Nope, just no, no nice little Mordor in or anything like that in MN Mule, nothing like that. No Premier Inns for hobbits. No, we've been we've been here before. <laughs> We're going in circles. Like it must absolutely be, it must be so depressing, obviously, because they literally have no idea where they're going. Like they're obviously on this enormous task, obviously, you know, to get to Mordor and destroy this ring. Again, this whole introduction to Frodo and Sam is very, very like just. I I love the interaction to say that I, I love the. I always love the innocence and purity of Samwise in these films. Like this, you know, he never loses faith. He never loses that Hobbit within him. And again, this, mm. especially in the extended cut as well, when they're climbing down on the rope with the uh, with the real Elvish rope, like. I, I just the whole sequence. It's such a shame it never made the cut in the theatrical because it's again a really really good scene. Well, throwing ourselves back to the original podcast where I brought in the game of um, making sh seeing <laughs> if you could tell us the difference of like you know and pick out the extended scenes. You have found the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree with what you've said because you know we get some extra insight into like the real relationship between Frodo and Sam and yeah. like and how. Um, you know, like like you said, with the rope and like the the, the excellent little comedy bit where he's like, "Ah, oh, it's one of my famous <laughs> famous knots. It's not going to come undone." And he pulls on it, and then it all comes back down to him. It's just absolute gold. And it's, um, it's those moments as well that I think because there's, it's not like these films are serious all the way through. Like there is, no. those, I mean, especially we're going to come to 
you know the obviously the Gimli and Legolas relationship and a few lines you know with Aragorn a little bit later on and and such but because they have these kind of beats where we allow kind of just a a one-liner or a bit of you know back and forth between characters it's it just I don't know it brings that extra like humanity almost to it because we're in like a fantasy world and it's something for us to relate to as yeah. as audience members to these characters it's, it's just love I love all the humorous moments in in these films they do stand out I say because there's yeah so much to take in yeah it's just a perfect like little scene to like uplift like all of the the sadness that we like are almost like reliving like from like knowing like you know what's happened with Gandalf and then yeah. you know how things have gone like with the fellowship as well and then just seeing that like like you said with Sam just being able to keep the spirits alive yeah. for them both um especially because like and like I put with my next note is that we we really start to see the true burden of the ring on Frodo as they continue to get closer and closer to Mordor um so I think it's it's a really sort of clever tool that um, that Jackson uses to to show that like just how integral like Sam's uh, spirit really yeah. is to keeping Frodo sane. Well, that's it. Yeah, he is I mean, obviously because we're, you know we're going to come. You talk about the burden there. We are going to come to obviously an even well, I wouldn't say an even bigger burden, but a wor- another burden to have is is obviously having Gollum with you as well. Yeah. Um, so you've yes. got you've got obviously the devil on on one side of Frodo's shoulder, and obviously Sam being the angel on the other in in this in this trio. But um, let's let's talk about that sequence with the introduction to Gollum because we never really got we didn't well we didn't really see much of Gollum uh, in the first one. We saw a glimpse and we heard stories about him, mm. this, that, and the other. Um, yeah, I remember like so looking forward to seeing Gollum just because of the teasers and and the little glimpse we'd had in the first one, mm-hmm. and knowing obviously having having read the Hobbit, obviously knowing his story with Bilbo as well and everything. Like I was so excited to see what they do with him, uh, and I think yeah. the introduction is absolutely like it's it's just brilliant. Like that when he's climbing down the rocks and you get to hear that voice that, that Andy Serkis does mm-hmm. and. We can't really not talk about Gollum and not talk about Andy Serkis's amazing work. Yeah, because like, let's face it, this was, I would say, is like heavily regarded as the the most groundbreaking use of motion capture yeah. within film, like ever. And and like you said, it's a real testament to Andy Serkis as a fully immersive performer. Yeah. It, you know, he is a legend in his own right for this performance. The, the team around Gollum is just phenomenal. Like, they just did such a, a, a very attentive and loving job to really bring this decrepit being to life. And to me, when I've looked at other depictions, I, to me, this is the best depiction of him. And then I've written as well that, like, for Andy Serkis, um, a lot of his characterization for Gollum came from um, cats, like, sort of regurgitating and, like, coughing up fur balls. Yes, yeah, you're saying yeah, that he and, almost based it on, like, addicts and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, just like that, that incessant um, want and need yeah. and, like, des- desperate feeling around having the ring beside him yeah like he was just perfect for the role from the get-go because he thought of it in, in that kind of way yeah no uh, absolutely he's a fantastic performer just couldn't touch on that cat thing do you notice it more now that you own cats that you're you're, you're seeing the golem oh yeah within them? <laughs> yes absolutely every time the panko um in particular regurgitates and coughs up fur balls it is very similar in that sound so i always look at him i'm like oh there's Smeagol and Gollum <laughs> just 
do you feel sorry for Gollum in, in this film? Just this one? It's it's something that we're going to touch upon, obviously. Yeah. But I think there's so much redemption that happens with him as we get further along, as we talk about um, this, that it's a bit of a roller coaster yeah. in a way. He does get a bit of a like a bad bad rap almost. Like I think, yeah. that, like you can see at the start, you know, we we can't we, you can't trust any new character that comes into these characters' lives who aren't within the fellowship. You know what I mean? Like so, there's obviously that that, that straight away that causes that friction sh- between Sam and 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 Gollum. Like Sam is not having any of it, and I I love that. Well, his performance is 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 marvelous. To be honest with you, you can see the hatred mm. in his eyes from Sam towards towards Gollum, um, which yeah. you know keeps growing and growing throughout the rest of their screen time together, basically. But it's a very very good uh, dynamic having you know Frodo that almost well he does empathize towards Gollum and and almost naively as well um, because. Mm. Frodo's way too naive in these films sometimes. Um, yes. But it's, it's great seeing that contrast of him, Frodo being like that, but also Sam purely hating this character. He's just so unconvinced that this creature, from his perspective, is actually going to help them. Like, why on earth would this, this animal and whatnot, like want to help them essentially to destroy the ring when all he wants is to have the ring back. Like right from the get go, Sam is like adamant that this isn't going to work. Um, So yeah, I completely agree with you. And Frodo is just too, too polite, too kind, too kind. They obviously, (laughs) it's kind of, it's such a strange one, isn't it? Because without Gollum, they would not get past where they are. I don't know. I just think sometimes um, you you can see why Frodo does empathise towards Gollum. And you do feel it. Say it's another stunning performance from Elijah Wood as well. And and you've already mentioned earlier, you know, we do, there's a great, that performance from him to just show how much the ring is actually bearing down on him. But what we'll do is, I want to jump to obviously kind of go to, let's, you know, the Aragorn, and Legolas and um, Gimli talk about yeah, what those sure. guys have got up to since uh, since we last left them. Uh, because what a trio! Again, another another set of fantastic trios together. Like brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. The three hunters, as they get called, yeah. Um, on the desperate plight to make sure that they can uh, rescue Merry and Pippin after they've been taken away by the Urukai uh, camp, um, and heading more on their way back to Isengard in that sense. They're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. One of the best YouTube videos of yeah. all time. Had to get that in, it's got to be done. You can't talk about Isengard and not say it. Like, it's just... Uh, Absolutely. We, we, we won't be doing a good podcast episode if we didn't. But Of course. This again, though, is course. about these about these three again, the the, the relationship you know, established with them in, in that first... in that Because obviously we had a full film, obviously, before of, of them, you know learning about each other and, and working together. Mm. But this is this is friendship at its finest in at this point. Like this is so much fun to watch, especially the humorous moments with Gimli trying to trying to keep up with them and and the laughs that we get with that. But I just love the these three together on screen. They're easily my favourites in this film. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I love about this is um it's just the amount of running that they actually had to do for all of the shots. 
when I've looked at the documentaries that are on uh, like the extended edition, like discs, they all talk about the fact of that in in various capacities, they were all in pain. They were all hurting yes. in some degree. So, um, so for example, like uh, Orlando had, had like cracked some ribs from some other shots that they'd done. Um, this was after a very famous shot that we'll come to regarding Vigo. Um, and then also, um, I always forget his name, but um, John Rhys-Davies, um, uh, like, like sort of like scale double, um, and also like I think he had some uh, dodgy knees or something like that. So basically when they were all running and doing these like very like long capturing of them running they're all there screaming <laughs> and just like just like screaming absolutely bloody murder whilst they're just trying to get through these shots and I, I think it's just when you watch it back and you know that you can just you can just imagine them there like just saying whatever they need to to just get through the running <laughs> so it's just perfect and it's just great and then I just love like how Pippin has the idea of like dropping the uh, the um, the leaf of Lothlorien like down to like help uh, the three hunters with their sort of pursuit as well. Um, you yeah, could, you like, could argue just... that the uh, the fact that obviously when he drops it, one of the Urukai is like, "Thought you get to see the shot of him stamping on it." It's almost like stamping on like the fellowship, almost like you know, kind of like obviously because it is mm. broken. Um, I've, Very that's interesting. That's, thing. Prob that's probably just the the studying of us going to uni coming out there like the film study <laughs> aspect yeah, yeah so this shot like, very deep and meaning man absolutely no, just a thought oh that's a 2-1 right there with that kind of analysis <laughs> but yeah i but i do agree so so far just going from from what we've discussed yeah there have been two extended scenes Ooh, okay. uh, one is going back to like the the frodo and sam Gollum arc and the other one is around just like what we've been yes. discussing. So do you think you'd be able to tell the audience what they are? I believe the Frodo and Sam extended sequence, it's 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 Gollum's scene. He's like when he's run off from them and he's talking to himself. It's a great sequence as well. And I love that kind of when he you know, he said like the great eye watching, watching, and then they see him and he makes sound it's like it's wonderful. It, is. it just yes. reminds me of like when you've caught like a pet doing something they shouldn't have been doing, and they're just like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. So that yeah, really good scene. And again, showcasing Andy Serkis's performance because there's much more of that in this when there's that kind of like mm. Gollum talking to himself, and to be able to keep a scene going for as long as that on your own, doing a back and forth with yourself. I mean, yeah. that's stand up round of applause let's 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 yeah. just be let's be let's be frank i think that the the next one is uh in the, it's obviously this sequence we've just spoke about between mary and pippin it's i think it's just after they've given him the the, the grog there's the urukai and then the orcs come round from a rock and there's like a there's obviously an exchange between them both and i i kind of wait this is there's a few scenes where i can see in the film why they cut them in particular um Again, containing um, including Mary and Pippin with Treebeard and Co., which we'll come to later. There's a few scenes where I'm like, I can see why they didn't make the theatrical cut. But the ones I've just mentioned, the ones we've just seen so far, these first three, including the ones with the Elvis robe earlier, I, I really wish they were included in the film because they're just, they're really good. Like in including this sequence as well, because this mm. again, this Orc and Urukai interaction, it reaches a boiling point in less than about fifteen minutes time, and it yes. just is a little extra. It's just like a little starter to that, and I think it would have 
I don't know. It didn't need to make it any more believable than the Fallout was, but it's another it's another thing they could have included just to add a little bit more. I do agree because I think you know, for maybe a, a less avid fan, potentially might not know like you know why there was such like like you say that boiling point between the Urukai and the Orcs, whereas you know to some degree that the more sort of like in depth kind of fans would be like would be like oh like you said why haven't they shown like the just the the sort of more like we're all on the same side but there's still those kind of like tensions and rivalries you know because at the end of the day all of these people underneath Sauron still wanted to have their own like nugget of power yeah exactly. um, so i do agree that like it would have been nice to have had this in there but yes ding 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 that is the third extended um like scene so congratulations you're doing very well with these extended scenes this is the same as last time though i started off very well and then although i, I did much better than what i thought i did but i i may have needed a little bit of like hint hints but we'll, we'll see how we get on so let let what well, should we go to the uh pretty much the the, the boiling point this is again a great some great lines memorable lines that we all day in day well maybe not everyone but i certainly do anyways like to uh like to throw out every now and then and, and quote them you know there's there's some excellent ones in this uh you know it's like it's back yeah. on the menu boys <laughs> absolutely all of the uruks and orcs voices were actually done by Andy Serkis. So every Amazing. single character that is talking in this scene where, it, you know, where Grishnak's like, you know, what about their legs? They don't need those. Um, and then all of the others where he's like, yeah, just a mouthful. <laughs> you know, it is all Andy Serkis. And when I first found that out, it blew my mind even more that this dude who's like already giving it so much like for Gollum is then like, oh yeah, I'll just come in and, do the ADR and all the, the dubbing for these orcs and Urukai. Like I was just like, what a what a gen, what, a what legend. An absolute. I didn't, I didn't know that, and that again is is just class. Like because the, 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 those this scene is just I feel like it's the most quotable for me, anyways. Like between the orcs yeah. and the Urukai, I find it like on a regular basis. There's always something that comes up that will bring me back to this scene just to be able to use one of these one of these fantastic lines. Great script writing, honestly. And what I, one of my favourite things, and it's just coming to my mind right now, is where that one spear hits Grichnak right in the right in the back, and then you, all you see is like just these Urukai just kind of put their heads up like meerkats, being like, "What's this about?" <laughs> and then you just see these riders of Rohan just absolutely ambush them and destroy them. I just love like everything about this particular shot because it's uh, the colouring of like the fog and like you know just yeah. this sort of like real blue tinge to it is just it's beautiful and it really sort of encapsulate this like sort of very dark kind of ambush that they just they never saw it coming you know it's it just brilliant. brilliant it is you say it's, it's so good and then obviously we get left with that like kind of cliffhanger of did pippin get squashed by the giant horse yes <laughs> absolutely it is a good trick shot anyway but yes Carl Urban. Carl Urban, what a AMF. man. He, he just has the the right authority as, like, you know, being the, the king's uh, nephew and being, like, the marshal of the Riddermark. And he is just, like, he's just got such amazing presence in the film. Absolutely. It's sad because he's such a great character. And yet, like, the situation and circumstance that we find him in, obviously, having been exiled by his own, mm. obviously 
well, by the king, but under the influence of Wormtongue, which uh, yes. I, I, I got to say again, we keep saying throughout, don't we, about the, these guys, this guy's performance, or, you know, her performance, this performance, everyone's performance really in this is just pretty, pretty 10 out of 10, pretty excellent. And yeah, and absolutely. I know we're, we're probably leading towards Grima um, and, and all that coming up because this is where we find, you know, AMA, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we see, um, obviously, AM, like you said, AMA searching for Theodred and unfortunately yes. seeing him very wounded and like all of the other, the the, Ro- the Rohirrim that have been ambushed like through other like soft skirmishes with Orcs and Urukai. And then, yeah, we get to see um, the introduction of Eowyn um, and then Brad, Brad Darif as Grima like is just, he is such this snake and like, you know, very slimy character. That's the best and word, he, really, for him, isn't it? Slimy. Like, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. I do find it like it's such a good because I, again, I know we, we, like we keep doing, we, we do jump from here and there, but I think Grima's story in this is quite. It's it's a big and impactful one, but in terms we could probably cover it in about five or ten minutes, well, a couple of minutes for the talking <laughs> about it. So I am just going to kind of just give my my a thought on Grima is that like. I, he does it obviously. He's got, you know, he's part of Saruman's like plan. This is mm. what this is what Saruman wanted. Obviously, he has affection as well um, towards towards Eowyn, mm. and I think obviously there's that bitterness and jealousy, knowing that they'll never be a thing. Because why would there be a thing? Um, of course. And obviously, after everything that he's done with with the king and such, that you know, there's that scene at the end of towards the end of the film when he, you know, he has been kicked out of. Of, of Rohan and 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 so mm. on, and he goes back to Saruman and he sees that army and he's got that tear that he's like yes. crying. It's almost like does he? It was it was he again another naive character in this film thinking that it was just going to be as plain sailing as what probably Saruman said it was going to be. Like obviously seeing that mm. size of the army that Saruman has, almost like I think he realised that he's actually done the wrong thing, and especially knowing that a lot of people are going to die, including Eowyn. It's a very interesting point, actually, and yeah, like I'm, once again, I've never, I've never viewed it that way either. When I really sort of think about it now, because I just always thought it was like you say that that sheer, like almost like incomprehensible thought of like just seeing ten thousand urukai in front of you must be like incredibly overwhelming mm. um so i just always thought it was like him just Probably, being absolutely yeah. taken back but it's an interesting point you know i guess it does kind of play into like like say his overall like arc as a character yeah. maybe that is why he does maybe he's realized that actually this isn't why i wanted i thought it would just be regular battle yeah. and the uh, rohan would then fall in a way of where we would then be on top and we would be like the ones in charge. But actually, this is them being wiped off the face of yeah. the earth. This isn't what I wanted. It's yeah, a really yeah. interesting point that it you brought be, up. It could be. It's, uh, just, it's, it, I, again, like, down to the brilliant performance, really, which yeah. <laughs> again, which mentioned in there. Uh, but no, Grima is, Grima is a great addition to this film. And I, I yeah. so that snakiness and sliminess, it's um, obviously, well, it's it just grim. Uh, but... <laughs> I, 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 it's not. I, I like where his character goes towards, it, especially where we see him in the third one, which we'll obviously come to when we do talk about Return of the King. Of course. But, um, yes, Grima has been putting a spell on the uh, on the king and making him look incredibly old. He doesn't look very good. 
He doesn't. He looks, unfortunately, like he is a bag of bones. Yeah. And, you know, once again, Bird Hill, fantastic casting for um, Theoden. He, he is brilliant in this film. When he, when, when he comes back and, you know, he's mm. reversed the spell and such and... My man Gandalf again, badass boy that he is when he when he turns up and sorts it all out. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like when, when he when he comes in, like he straight away goes from obviously that d- decrepit nothingness mm. of the of the person, you know, just on like literally the smallest amount of life I would say that's in there behind those eyes. Uh, yeah, and he's straight away like he's got his his like leadership back, his power back. Oh, if it wasn't for Aragorn, he would have killed Grima, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, without a doubt, I think that would have been blood all over those stairs so yeah there is a little bit of extra bits between um eowyn and then like you said uh, with theodred on the bed where they're talking about like you know how how serious like his his injuries are it's where um eomer like kind of goes into more depth about like what's actually happening like within the the realm of Rohan and Grima's like, nah, it's not happening. <laughs> he shows like the actual scroll and like uh, the order of decree in a way, and it's got like the most blessed, like the the most flimsiest looking like uh, like signature of a king. And I think it's just perfect because it's like clearly <laughs> Theoden was just there, like ah, <laughs> just trying to like get like some like un. <laughs> uneligible kind of like you know like scroll on there i bet Grima was so, yeah. holding his hand while he was doing it in fact he's doing it for him just like, like yeah just, absolutely yeah, like come on <laughs> i want to obviously cut back to we'll cover this in 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 one kind of swoop almost because obviously merry and pippin okay. they end up in fangorn forest um and mm-hmm, they meet mm-hmm. some some talking trees and i just want to quickly point <laughs> out that like my fiance uh it's taken five years of me getting of banging on to watch Lord of the Rings. Finally watched it. We got to this one, and she was like, "Why don't you just pitch it to me that there's talking trees?" And I watched it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so that is thank you, Treebeard. Absolutely brilliant. I just, you know what? That just even makes me feel like this is definitely the best film going. <laughs> Knowing your fiance, that is that is absolutely magical. Oh dear. Um, so, yeah, but we meet Treebeard uh, yeah. and Co. And and this this again, there's a I know there's extended sequences which we'll, we'll come up to in, mm. in but uh, the, these are more of the scenes that I could see why they got kind of cut them out. Like there's there's a couple where Treebeard and everyone are deciding whether to help or anything. You know what I mean with the with with Saruman, the Saruman sitch. Um, yeah, and it just sometimes it does take you out of the film a little bit when that was when that was going on. But I really like. You know the introduction of Treebeard and him. You know calling them little orcs and stuff like that, and never yes. like never heard of hobbits and such. It's uh, it, it just really again CGI on point, and and again a fantastic character within within this uh, within this world. Yeah, absolutely. Like my note around Treebeard is that it is literally the perfect blend of the animatronics yes. that they yes. that they created for him and the CGI. I always genuinely thought that, like, that first bit of where he wakes up because Pippin's screamed Merry in his face, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I genuinely thought that that was just all CGI. And then when I re-watched, like, some of the uh, documentary bits of it, it is, like, um, about a 60-40 split. So it's 60% animatronics in there. So... Like the way that his eyes open, um, the sort of the, the the head movement, the ruffling of like his like facial features. The only thing that was actually CGI was 
the um the the quick blinks. Yeah. When he like when he's like you know sort of readjusting his eyes, but then everything else, the animatronics, and that just blew my mind is, when I is. watched it back. I was just like, what? It is, it is. That's the thing. This is why these films are so good. This is why when I was doing my uh, Dune uh, review recently, you know, that I was saying about mm. it's those practical effects. It's the on set, you know, it's none of this CGI nonsense that makes these films yeah. really, really stand out and, and make that even bigger and better cinematic experience by doing, mm-hmm. like I said, animat- by using animatronics, sorry, and, and using more practical effects, less CGI. It, it, it just makes it all feel well real would be the, the perfect word for that and and i know yeah. that in behind the scenes of this that they were they were up so high uh mary and pippin you know in between in between takes or whatever or when they were breaking for lunch they were that yeah. high up and it took them that long to get down they just sit up there and just have their lunch like people give them yeah, their food absolutely and they wouldn't because it was just easier and less time consuming than to climb up and down all the time and i believe they wrote a screenplay together while they were sat up there while waiting they did indeed <laughs> you're absolutely right what they a, did what a brilliant what a, what a better way to use your time together two mates having a laugh and writing a play in a, in a fake tree <laughs> we are in a very sort of cgi time with a lot of films yeah. and i came up with this like when I've talked with other people about it, when I've looked at other films, so like especially when we talk about a, another particular trilogy in this uh, this world that used you know far too much CGI, I'm not going to mention its name, but I'm sure the fans will, and your listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. But it loses like almost like the eye touch, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's like Completely when your right. eyes see it. It's like you can recognize the the texture of what you're looking at. Yeah. And you can just immediately you know what what like Treebeard's gonna feel like in that sense. Yeah. Whereas like other particular goblins in another sort of magical film that should have only been two films at best. Um <laughs> You know, like when you see their skin, it's like, oh, it's just CGI. This, you know, you, you can't, yeah. you don't feel like you can touch them Nail in that on. sense. Absolutely bang on. I completely agree. Like I was sat there just laughing, smiling all the way through that because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to, to, to do hideous CGI and to say another trilogy that will not name or anything. But <laughs> when the CGI is that bad that the film's that this same trilogy is, you know, set within, should we say, mm-hmm. the original films, look so much better from yes. years and like 10 years before or whatever summit's not right and yeah i mean absolutely we could, we could sit and talk about those flaws all day long but we're uh, we're talking about the magical aspect of this of this uh, of this uh, yes <laughs> of this world of yes this world. absolutely yeah, sorry yeah <laughs> But no, I, I completely yeah. agree with the practical effects and the CG and that right balance between the two. Because yeah, I, I almost feel like you see films sometimes where the, because the, these big films such as these where they focus so heavily on the CGI that sometimes the CGI can lack in places as well. Whereas yeah. this, it, you can see that obviously the main CGI or you know at least motion capture element Gollum is probably the most important to look right and look the part. But none of the other characters lack anything. Even even when we get you know yeah. big ensembles of like mass armies, the CGI doesn't look terrible at all in the slightest. No, at all. So yeah, so Mary, Mary and Pippin, their their story in this film is primarily centered around Treebeard. I don't really think there's much more we can touch upon, and we can talk about maybe their their decisions to help with with the with the battle. You know, in that sense, and we'll come to them again at the end. But I think we could probably leave them there for now, can't we? And and just kind of yeah crack back on again to we'll go back to aragon because 
yeah, yeah, let's talk about course. them. And, and there's a lot to cover because obviously <clears throat> on the back of seeing those riders of Rohan, you know, they then go to, you know, the place where we last saw Mary and Pippin and there's this famous uh, scene that got shot, which <laughs> talk about pain, eh? I'm sure for the, the real diehard fans out there, we'll know this story through and through. But what I absolutely love is that, you know, Peter Jackson, yet again, the eye for detail, the eye for the right shot, making Paul Vigo kick that bloody helmet <laughs> at least 14, 15 times. And then the last take, what we get is what is left in the film. And it's that feeling of like pure frustration of that they have, it's like they lost Merry and Pippin in that moment. And then to the audience, you're like, oh my God, what, what an amazing like performance from Vigo when you really know what happened. <laughs> and it's the fact of that his toe snapped in two with that final kick. And that was him letting out his pain and anguish it is just amazing once again just a testament and i keep on saying that it's a testament to the actor or a testament to whatever and, and even obviously that that take that shot and, and sequence of him laying out that scream of brilliant they kept that in and great like you say of capturing that moment for that character but even the silence of of legolas you know and and the, the shot we get of him and and, and yeah. Gimli as well of thinking that they've you know lost these two hobbits that they were looking for, or you know, that they failed at their at their task. It's um, again a great beat, but then it leads us to this brilliant sequence of Aragorn with the floor and realizing yeah. and using all his senses and such to realize that these hobbits in fact survived their ordeal and ended up in the forest, um, absolutely forest. And and what we get after this is what we think is Saruman going to turn up, don't we? When, when they talk about this white wizard and, and everything. And it's such a good teaser because yeah. it leads you right into where Peter Jackson wants you to be, which is not actually knowing if it is Saruman or not. Confused me as a kid. And it's again, probably down to some excellent, uh, well, obviously it confused me in terms of why Gandalf was Gandalf the white as a, as a youngster, obviously, because it's for me, it was just like, Oh, Gandalf's back. And that was pretty much it for me. It was like, I don't, you don't really yeah. know the, the actual in depth of it, which we'll come to in a second. But obviously that, that being that Gandalf is obviously what Saruman should be and how he should be. And I love that introduction to Gandalf where, um, like Gandalf the white, when they blended, you know, a bit of, uh, a bit of, um, Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen together, not only just like facial or eyes or whatever, it was the voice as well together. You can hear it and it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's again, like yeah. a nice little trick from, from Peter Jackson, but again, kind of showing you already that this is the Saruman that we should have got the Saruman that should be pretty much fighting side, but well, not even fighting, but it should be on the right side. You know, he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. He's obviously corrupted by Sauron. He's come back and he's ready to help as much as he can to to change the uh the free people's like fate within this war of the ring and it's just great it's just a fantastic like almost like uh reuniting pretty big moment within the film prior to that obviously as, as the characters are heading towards helm mm. and that's when there's yet another ambush which obviously leads us into potentially thinking is aragorn has he gone like is that it yeah i agree with you in a way, the way that Theoden kind of like just cuts through like, you know, like Legolas's processing ways, like leave the dead. Yeah. And Legolas is like, you you say what, son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding like, me? No, no, no. I, I need to jump off this cliff and find my friend. Yeah. You know, like it is very true. 
Um, it's a good sequence, yeah. though, like I said, with these, with the, uh, with the orcs and such, and and like I said, it's this ambush that that almost almost does come out of nowhere, but it's so intense, especially that moment when Aragorn is like trying to like un unhook himself from being stuck to. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the wags. <laughs> the, there you go, wags. I, do you know what? I've got this like written down. So I've got them all here. Wag riding orcs, and I'm like, you know, when you're like reading it from your screening, like where have I put it? Like, I'll just, big dogs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> big scary dogs. <laughs> big dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like because I agree. Like the the action sequence between him and uh, Sharku, the art, the orc that's like on that wog, and like their fight is just like great you know he's like literally just jumped on and he's like yeah nah mate i'm taking you down and then he does and then all of a sudden he's like oh i'm 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 still attached to this like beast like and it's just riding off senselessly what's it doing and then like you say that the tension is building yeah as like you see like you know the the edge approaching and it's like why is he not like yeah why is he not just like cutting himself off like what what's he doing and then yeah and then he just goes, and then like that, that um, that drop in the music just, just like cut, yeah, just solidifies cuts. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's absolutely just great, great like production work behind all of that because it really is just moments to keep you on your toes as an audience member. I would say because like non, you know, like we saw it with Boromir in the first one that not all these characters will make it to the end. Granted, yes. the majority do, but there is still a lot of characters within this that don't make it to the end. Um, yeah. And I just think that, yeah, this this could have been one of those moments again, but it does keep you on the toes as an audience member. So what we'll do is we'll 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 cut back to Frodo and Sam and uh, and told Gollum, can we trust Gollum? Is he is he actually is he you know I mean on on side you know on Team Frodo? But I want to just touch upon what, what we mentioned briefly earlier about um, mm. the dynamic of Gollum and Smeagol and and them speaking to one another and then living with each other as two separate sides of the brain or mm. what you know what i mean like i just that scene basically the scene in question is when uh, i believe it's peter jackson's favorite sequence of the entire trilogy and it's just that scene yeah. where sam and frodo are asleep and Gollum's having the conversation with himself calling him uh, Gollum's calling smeagol a murderer and stuff like that and mm. it, it is just a such a simple scene such there's no like it's simple camera work you, it cuts from left to right almost for presenting smeagol or Gollum, whichever it is you know the camera yes. cuts that way, um, and I I I love that kind of um, I don't know that innocence a little bit at the end of it when Smeagol wins that argument and yes. Gollum's gone and he's chuffed to bits. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's, he's defeated the 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 worst part of him. Um, I believe as well the scene wasn't directed by Jackson. It was done by his wife. I believe she did this. She directed the scene. I was watching an interview uh, with Peter Jackson, and I think that they were. I think he wanted an extra scene or something to pad. To pad I don't know if it needed to link it, link something in between together. Mm, and, mm. I, and I'm certain he, he didn't have the time to do it. So his wife, she wrote this. She wrote this scene out, and because she wrote it and she gave it to him, he was like, "No, well, you wrote it. You go off and direct it." And when it came back, he was just completely blown away by it. Well, I've learned something new, and like that's, I think once again that is just like beautiful because um, it just shows that like people were just so invested yeah. in making sure that like you know like well taking risks like you know like, I think that's one thing that I, I really admire about Jackson is that he does take risks. Mm. You know, for for better or for worse, he will try something. And clearly, like, that was a, a, something that he just absolutely thought was, like, you know, gold. And it is gold because yeah. it's a real, 
once again, it's, it's a performance stopper for me for, from Andy Serkis yet again. Like, it is just fantastic. Well, I think it is his best. I think it's his best scene for me anyways. And and, and many would agree, obviously, Jackson does, that, it, like I say, it is an absolutely fantastic scene. I, I'll, find, I'll try and find that link again, dig it out on YouTube and send it over because it was it was only recent yeah, sure. that I, I watched it, but I, I, I learned that then. I was like, that's fair play. Like, it's... Uh, Really, really excellent scene. Great performance again. And I'm just trying to think of any other sequences with Gollum that I think might push, you know, close to that kind of thing. But I don't know. Like, it is really, really good. But it's really sad, though. Like, I know I'm probably jumping here then everywhere with Gollum. But, you know, like, it's sad to see him build up that trust with Frodo and then feel like he's been completely betrayed at the end. And you can see why he's a little bit peeved at the end, is Gollum. And Gollum yeah. does return because... He, he trusts Frodo like he does, like even even with all the crap that Sam's throwing at him and everything, and and you know he's he's almost like you're never gonna you're never gonna win with Sam. Gollum will never earn mm. Sam's trust. Whereas Frodo, like I said all along, like you've mentioned as well, we've talked about the pity side of it. You know, there's there's a real like relationship, not just like master and servant, but as what could potentially be like a friendship on some level. But then to feel like he's been uh, betrayed, you know, especially when Faramir and, and Co come into it, you can see why he does end yeah. up going down the road, the, the route that he does at the end of this film, mm. does Gollum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, just going back to what you were saying about like a, another, like if there is any particularly other scenes, the the one straight after where Gollum is just absolutely rolling around in the water yeah. trying to catch the fish. Yeah. And then just going on with that scene, you know, this is where we start to really see that shift and strain between Frodo and Sam. Yeah. Because like yeah. Sam still Sam is still holding on to that almost like, you know, like hatred and like, you know, saying, Oh, stinker, don't go too far ahead. And then Frodo immediately is actually coming to Smeagol's like aid and being like why why are you being like that with yeah. him you know you you see like sam be taken aback by like hang on my best friend's not like agreeing with me yeah. what's what's going on and it's it's that real strain there that like and then frodo sees it more from the side of you don't understand what this ring does to people yeah like you actually can't see what it's doing to me and like what it's done to him. And it's a very interesting shift in the, the dynamic between them because from, from start until now, they've been a very tight unit. Like they've been mm. together. Like even when Frodo like was, you know, trying to go it alone without him, Sam was by his side. And then it's like, oh, hold on a second. This isn't seeming to be, uh, as they would say for like most couples, or is there trouble in paradise? I was you know, just something? thinking <laughs> in my head. I was literally like, there's exact words I was thinking in my head. But How yeah, they, so they get obviously taken by um, Faramir and, and and Co. And that, and I always forget about this scene. I don't know why I do. I don't. I really don't know why I always forget about this. I know there's extended sequences with this as well when we get to learn a bit more about Faramir's background and mm. again such a sad character really when you think I mean it's he's so horrible you know the way that his father is and obviously idolizing mm. Boromir over Faramir and such and seeing Faramir as like the weaker of the two and I don't you know this this resentment towards his own son's quite just extraordinary really it's horrible um but I do like that they got Sean Bean back for some sequences in this. Always Sean. Yeah, I think 
like you've said, around the the sort of like the way that he's perceived by his his father by Denethor. Unfortunately, we don't actually see any of that until the return of the king. Yeah, really, it's in the theatrical versions. Aggravating. So um, it's a shame that we don't see that in the theatrical versions until then, because it immediately just adds like so much more depth to Faramir. Yeah. This is the thing that you know behind all of it is the fact that. Faramir and Boromir's father, Denethor, that's right, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Denethor <laughs> wants the ring, doesn't he? He hears news, he gets catches wind of this this one ring that's resurfaced, and he's like saying to Boromir, mm. like, you know, we could, you know, Gondor could use it kind of thing. And again, mm. it explains more for Boromir's sudden, like, desire. As soon as he sort of sees that ring in Fellowship, it's like, although you know the ring is powerful and it, it, it you know, want you know wants you to want the ring kind of thing. It has that hold on people. I think Boromir yeah. has already got it twisted in his heads that they he needs this ring anyways. And it obviously, if you want to argue on a grander scale, you could say that you know his own father is the reason why he died. Oh, that's that's a very bold claim. But to be fair. It was Faramir who, like, you're absolutely right, like, um, to some degree, because Faramir was the one who offered his services to go instead, yeah. because, like you said, he wanted to prove himself to Denethor, yeah. and and once again, Denethor idolising Boromir was like, no, yeah. like, Boromir is the better son, he's going to go and represent, <laughs> like, the stewardage of Gondor, because you're crap, you can't do that. <laughs> To, to put it bluntly, but yeah, like in a way, once again, like all those things that Denethor did that we miss until we meet him in the Return of the King for the first time is completely cut away. Yeah. So it almost like ties it all together really nicely it around is. the strains that Boromir has, mm -hmm. but then also like the strain that Faramir has, even just from that very small scene yeah. and that back scene. Well, this is it, yeah. It's, it, 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 like you said, it explains a bit more for Faramir because in the theatrical cut, if that scene's not in there, he just seems like, I don't know, like just someone who's just kind of no real... He has got motive because he wants to return and take these two hobbits who've got whatever back to back to Gondor. I don't know, it just feels like it missed something then because it's it, he's doing that because he wants to prove his, his dad a point. Like It adds, just like I said, more depth to, to Faramir, I think, just by having yeah. that kind of like... Because he's not got like daddy issues kind of thing. I think he's just... <laughs> he's more so like he's just very, very neglected as a son. I think that's what it is more than anything. Yeah, it's like he just... He, he yearns for, like, that sort of same kind of, like, pride yeah. from Denethor, like, like you know, that you would expect from any parent. It's because of that, and obviously, even, like, not not only just betraying Gollum, per se, but, like, obviously telling Frodo that they weren't going to hurt Gollum or anything, this, that, and the other, mm. when he was when he's playing in the water, which is, again, a lovely sequence where Frodo's trying yeah. to get Gollum to come back, and it's really nice, and you're thinking, this is, you know, Smeagol's like, you know, what, you know Frodo's not going to hurt me, and then next thing you know, he's bloody... Grabbed, ambushed, and and <laughs> taken away for like questioning question time. So it's it's that yeah. moment there, I think, that breaks that trust between Frodo and and Gollum, and and that's where it leads to where they get to next. It is a shame that like those things happened because it would have been even more interesting to have seen like how his redemption arc might have kept on going. Like I, th I think on to, some to level, some... It, it it would never have it would never have fully left you know Gollum Gollum would have always come back I think at the end of this story for him I think that he's too too consumed by 
yeah. side of him that I think even if all the way through they get to, they got to Mordor, I still think the outcome would what obviously what happens in Return of the King would be the same. I think that yeah. that need and that desire for the ring would always bubble over for him. But it would have been interesting, like you say, to have seen maybe what could have been like sliding door effect if you'd have been like yeah. best pals with Frodo and Sam linking arms to Mordor together. Yeah. <laughs> Let's destroy the ring together, friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, or, or like even just like you say, you know, just that almost there doesn't need to be like a betrayal or like, you know, in his perspective, like happen for then for Gollum to creep back would have just been a case of, you know, they literally get to the mouth of Mount Doom and then that's where he just like snaps, you know, he's just like, it's like, nope, you know what? I can't do this. It's my ring. Screw you all, you know, and then it just changes it all. Like just Just in that one moment, a very quick one, actually, just, just a sprinkle of trivia, um, which you probably already know already. Just speaking of like the ring and such, this is the only film in the trilogy or yeah, only film in the trilogy where nobody wears the ring. No one puts the ring on. That's very true. It's one of those ones when I I was like, you, know, you like try and replay the entire film in your head, and you're like, "Yeah, oh wait, yeah, no, no one, no one does wear the ring in this." Like it's no. there's close moments, I think. And obviously, Frodo's having his like sexual face around the ring and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is the best way of describing. <laughs> Just his looks faces. like he's having a really yeah. lovely time. It's obviously, I know it's yeah. not, but yeah, like his, uh, yeah, his, his sexual <laughs> face. So should we should we just like wrap up Frodo and Sam's story um, and Gollum's for this? Because obviously, the, the thing we want to talk about mainly is. Um, the big battles now. Um, yeah, the elephant so, in the room. Yeah, the elephant in the room, really. <laughs> um, Frodo and Sam's story essentially ends with them being let go by by Faramir and, yes. and, and the, the men of Gondor. And then we get that lovely teaser with Gollum setting up when he's just saying, uh, we'll take her to her, she'll do it, this, that, and the other, not referring exactly what his plan is or you know who, he, or who her or she is. Um, yes. And it was great as well watching this episode with my fiance who doesn't know anything about the story, and she's like, "What's he talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh, you'll know." But like, yes. but it's just again, really, I love this the shots of this where it's just like Gollum obviously going behind tree and after tree and just like leaning up, you know, the, the way the camera's following, you can just see Frodo and Sam trying to find him and the sinister aspect, I should say, of yeah. of Gollum and and this plan that he's not fully given the audience, but we know it's not not nice what he's got planned yeah to then go from that to then here i am hobbits like yeah. like i just think follow me yeah like <laughs> it is it, it you are sat there as like towards the end of the film you're like this isn't good like this yeah this is, this is, absolutely how can i wait another it's year just for the that, next film? it is just that foreshadowing of like bad things are going to happen yeah. and we and you can just you just know that like Gollum is now going to try and do everything within his power to yeah. get that ring back, yeah. without a doubt. He's, he's complete, he's, you know, he's got no trust or... I mean, the, the thing is now is is that he knows that these characters, like, he's got them in the palm, especially Frodo, he's got, the, he's got Frodo in the palm of his own hand. Like, it's... Whatever he says or whatever Gollum, you know, does, Frodo will have to follow him because he's there. He's there, obviously, tour guide, if you will, through, like, yeah. Middle-earth. And exactly. he's just got so much power. But the, the thing is, he knows, obviously, that um, Sam's a problem. Sam's the problem in this situation. Like, if Sam wasn't here, if if Frodo had decided to go on his own without Sam to, to finish this quest, there's no way that Frodo would have gotten to Mordor j- just simply by oh. opening to Gollum. It'd be, it'd... Yeah, exactly. I think that I think if Sam had not been there, 
that ambush of where mm. he jumps down to like try and get the ring off of Frodo, that would have been game over yeah. just there and then. Gollum knows that Sam's a problem, so Gollum needs to sort that out before he can sort Frodo and the ring out. But I just love I love that kind of uh, that ending to that to that story and to like lead us into what was going to come in the in the Return of the King. So let's talk about Helm's Deep because I think because I, I, I rewatched this recently, obviously because we're watching the film. Um, I yeah. rewatched this and I think that this is my favorite battle of the trilogy. For me, and there might be people out there that disagree, but I think it's the the one that is like perfectly paced. Yes. Like, you know, like, and sort of interwoven with the right pacing, like to sort of almost like blend in very nicely with like the, the roller coaster of the film, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Because like, as I'm sure obviously we'll go into more depth when we talk about the third one, but with like the Pelennor Fields and then like, you know, the 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 Battle of the Black Gate, they're very they're very sort of uh climactic. Mm. You know, it's obviously, you know, we all know that good will conquer o- over evil and everything, but there's still like little nuggets of things that really sort of are like, how is this gonna turn out? Like who's gonna potentially go if you you know if you haven't watched the the films before or if you know you're completely new to the to the whole story and everything whereas with this this particular battle is just it is just absolute magic from start to finish the suspense of like the way that they build it up the way it just pans out with all of the little like beautiful like shots of you know just like everything about it just is magic and just flawless and i have to agree with you it is definitely my all-time favorite like battle throughout the trilogy yeah i i it's one of those where i um because i I, having rewatched it again i've seen it numerous times but each time i watch it Mm. it just keeps cementing that i'm like this is easily my favorite battle as much as i love the fellowship of the ring as i said obviously that's my favorite of the lord of the rings trilogy yes the 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 whole sequence i say of helm's deep like it is just I said before, epic. Like it's just incredible, and and what I also really love in this as well is Howard Shaw's score. Like it just sums everything up, every action, every every visual scene or setting. Sorry, that you're 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 seeing. It it just accompanies mm. it beautifully, especially the build up. Like you say that the that feeling of like almost like impending doom, like for our yeah, for our absolutely. heroes when when the when the Urukai and Co are marching forward and. You're seeing all the inside of, you know, these, you know, people that could, not just the soldiers, but, you know, the the innocent, obviously, just waiting for this battle to end. They could all perish at this moment. And it's, yeah, suspense is the right word, that feeling of, of almost dread. Yeah, I completely agree with your your impending doom comment as well, because I think that starts as soon as, like, the entirety of Edoras, like, empties. You yeah. know, they are literally walking on and then all of the different kind of like parallel narrative that happens, say like, you know, with, you know, Saruman and uh, Grima talking about the plan on, on their side of it and you get in, you know, both sides of the coin. It, it is all kind of like what it's building up to. Mm. And there's so much suspense, you know, we, we have the, the will Aragorn survive his fall. We have, um, you know, how are people going to feel like, after so long of um, Theoden being under this like spell, is he actually going to lead them to victory? There's so much like riding on this battle of like 
their entire existence. And I think Jackson and obviously the other assistant directors on like the different units and, you know, just like everybody else, like, you know, the entire team worked so hard and all of the actors and extras worked so hard in really making that be on, um, you know, like a real sort of like, um, shared experience like mm. I don't know about you but I always felt very like the first time I watched it I felt like I was biting my nails like waiting for this like night to come and then mm. one of my favorite shots is when Aragorn is like you know there's there's a the couple of very interesting shots of Aragorn like you know essentially knackered <laughs> and tired <laughs> and just in need of a good rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's on, and he's on poor Brego, like trying to get back to Helm's Deep. And then he just looks across the, uh, the landscape and he sees the army. Yeah. And that's when like the adrenaline for him kicks in and he's like, Oh no, I need to like get there and tell them exactly what I've seen. Yeah. It's just beautiful. I would say that the actual clinch time, and when it really, like, begins is with Theoden's, like, really iconic line that has obviously gone into, like, meme culture. And we are at that time. Um, and obviously not to to sort of, like, date this particular podcast, but we are coming up to that point of Christmas <laughs> where a lot of people use that meme of him saying, so it begins yeah. as soon as the Christmas, um, like, playlist start yep. coming on and anything whatnot. christmas related in fairness like christmas <laughs> adverts playlist all the decorations everywhere it's just it's incredibly well used and uh yeah as yeah. memes go that one is up there and we've already said that this particular film of lord of the rings um this the, yeah this entry it's full of them isn't it it's just meme meme yeah. massive um but I, yeah. I that 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 shot though funnily enough is when he says and so it begins it's still iconic even aside from the meme culture but i still find that like when the rain starts, which obviously uh, you'll know as well, that the rain was actual rain. It wasn't, and if it wasn't, yes. effect, it wasn't obviously sprinklers or anything. It was, it rained 90 days when they were shooting. 90 days, 90 yeah. nights. So 90 nights, I think it was either way. A lot of rain, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, th- that, I always mentioned, I think I might have mentioned before in my podcast or even on, on the Lord of the Rings one before about, I find that Jackson utilizes and uses rain in such the right way, even aside from the battles. Yes. You know, there's those scenes with Frodo earlier in the in the first one um, when he's trying to get to the Prancing Pony. Um, mm. Again, that's a great use of that. I felt like it added that extra layer of like uneasy and unsettled because these characters are out of anywhere near where they usually are. By the by, sorry, exactly. I digress. But in this particular scene, <laughs> when when the rain does start and the, and it's almost like it's not the officials. I, th- I feel like for me, when the battle starts, it's when that poor old chap like lets his arrow go a bit too soon and it's like oh, whoops never mind uh, <laughs> and Aragorn's like hold <laughs> what are you doing um, yeah, and it's already gone yeah already gone I mean that's like, that, like... that is the initial start of the battle I would say but the rain is is like the uh like the the the, the intro like the prelude or something like it's just yes. it sets it all up you know you get to see these great shots of of that huge army that's coming towards mm. them and again it, it just um it just looks wonderful. I think everything's, it's a very nice shade of blue as well. You know what I mean? Like that nice yes, blue yeah. use of color. Wonderful. But yeah, when, when this battle gets going, there's, there are some, not only actual incredible choreographed fights, but also there's, there's humor in there as well. There's yeah. smile, you know, real, real like 
just a great adventure almost in its own in its own entity. You know what I mean? It's it's one fantastic long battle. It's brilliant. Yeah. And um just to sort of touch upon your your point about Howard Shaw's um composition, yeah. What I absolutely love is that um and it is a bit of a throwback to the fellowship of the ring, but when we're when we meet and we're in Lothlorien, there's the very sort of prominent um like like Lothlorien elven music that plays. Mm. And in the fellowship, it's played predominantly on strings to sort of give this very floaty sort of feeling to it. You know, we're in this very sort of magical and ancient place. But then when Haldia and the elves arrive at Helmsdeep to support and like almost make this second like um, alliance between elves and men, they they play it with trumpets. And like mm. you said, it just it just accompanies and gives such richness to it because it's almost like, you know, giving it that almost like battle hardened yeah. like oomph and like <laughs> um, that reprise to the music. Yeah. And I love that, you know, like always bringing in that same kind of like, you know, um, melodic sort of feel to it. And just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just such a good like throwback. And then just having Haldir anyway is a wonderful throwback because obviously for people who have spent more time watching the theatrical than the extended editions for the films would notice like the the real difference that you see of like and how prominent Haldir is within like yeah. their journey into Lothlorien in the first one. So it's a real treat to then see him back and, you know, yeah, just making this alliance again. It's just, ah, oh, it's fantastic. It is super, it is super good. Um, I, I, speaking of like the extended and, and theatrical cut, so when I, so I, I watched the extended cut and then I watched the, well, I just Googled it again just to watch it again on, on YouTube recently just to kind of yes. enjoy it again because any excuse, let's be honest, to watch this battle. Um, so I found it on YouTube and I was watching it and it was I didn't realise until, until I was well in that it was the theatrical cut. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll just... I'll watch it and see what is you know different. And there's some there's some big moments that aren't included in in the uh, in the theatrical mm. cut. And like just little lines. Like again, I know it might be humorous lines. In particular, my favorite line in, in the entire battle almost is between Aragorn and uh, and Gimli when they're trying to get to the uh, to the bridge to take off the take off the the Uruk-hai queen. Yes. And he's like, you know, he's it's a it's a it's a long way. <laughs> and he's like Tosra, <laughs> and it's like just. That little, this little interaction. I don't know if they've cut it out on YouTube, or whatever, but that wasn't in it. So I'm assuming it's not in the theatrical cut. I think, from Is my it... knowledge, I'm, I'm sure like they still have the back and forth. But I agree with you. I think it's slightly extended. There's definitely yeah. like because he does extra say like bits that they talk about. He does say again. He says that because I think. When he looks over, he looks back at him, and then he puts, and then, and then um, Gimli says, "Oh, we can take him." And he puts his, and Aragorn puts his arm around him, obviously ready to, you know, to throw him basically. And then he just says, "Oh, just don't tell the elf." And he says, "Not a word." Yes. And then throws him, and it's like that again, perfect. But that extra little line before, I thought was just, just even, just even better. Almost, it's just brilliant. It's just mm. like because obviously it brings you back to the the fellowship again when he's like, "No one tosses a dwarf," kind of thing. And and I don't know, yeah. like I just thought, why why would you cut that out? I don't know. It's it's for time. I, I, I get it. I get it. Is, yeah, I do think it's in the theatrical one. Maybe it was just the YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, maybe, maybe just YouTube ruined um, it for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's still great. Like. Um, it's still brilliant um, yeah there's just some like really interesting bits like you know like within the extended edition you actually see like um 
a lot more of like Theoden's like strategy as well yeah, yeah. that gets missed out from the um sorry the extended yeah did I say extended mind is not with me today um <laughs> within the extended one you see a lot more of Theoden's strategy yeah. whereas in the theatrical it's very just like they almost make him seem like um almost like and I don't know if it was like a choice or it just seemed a bit more Almost like I'll give like you know the commanders a bit more um, you know of like the duty in that sense of like you know com- you know of like making sure that people are doing what they need to do, and then when I rewatched the uh, when I rewatched like all of the battle scenes, I was just like, oh, Theoden's more prominent in this. He oh he's taking more action there. Like obviously, like one of the ones that sticks out for me is that um, you know when he's there at the at the actual uh, fortress gate and yeah. he gets like you know the spear into his shoulder. There's like quite a bit there. Like even before that, I'm sure he like decapitates an Urukai. Yeah, probably, you know, yeah. just like I'm, whoosh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. you know, takes one off, and you know he's proper like going for it up until yeah. that point. And I just thought, huh, it's interesting that they they made him almost like more of a back burner of a, yeah. of a king in the theatrical as opposed to being more like, no, like do this, like let's, let's get stuff going on in that sense within the, in the extended. Um, so I thought that was an interesting change. Um, but, you know, I guess it happens, you know, like when they're trying to cut it down to, already, you know, from a five and a half <laughs> hour film down to three hours, it is just finding those little moments that like, you know, yeah, they they add like a little bit of extra richness, but then you know, it it's not going to take too much away from it in that sense. Yeah, but no. um, I, no, think, I don't think it yeah. makes sense. Some some of the some of that you can. You, you, it's, I think it's more. Um, well, us as fans, we want more. You know, we want to see more of this, anyways. Kind of thing. Oh, gotcha. I know, and that, I think that sometimes can can you know consume you when when you're watching like a theatrical cut of, of something like this because you're like, I wish when there is an extended, why don't they just release the extended cut? But then you have to think from a creative point as well as, you know, like releasing it in theatres and such. It's, it is going to be difficult and, and it must be difficult as well for like, you know, Peter Jackson, who's got all this footage to be like, right, we're going to cut this, this and this, especially when it's yeah as rich and as grand as this, as this battle actually is. Cause you know, we can sit and gush about it um, as much as, as much as anyone else about Helm's Deep. And there's so many, so many moments when you sat there thinking who, like I always found it, like when I first watched it, like who is not going to make it out of this? Because this is just absolutely crackers. Like there's so many, Urukites and and in one moment you're thinking that the heroes are on top and then it's then they're not on top especially when they blow up that section which is again yeah, it, on it's the such a suspense wall. like you're expecting the heroes to stop that from happening like especially when Aragorn's like kill him kill him and it's like no one exactly. no one can hit him and you're thinking surely like the likes of Legolas will get this person so it, when you sat there watching it for the first time or just even when you're rewatching it really you're just like ah oh my like someone you're like with Aragorn you're like please someone stop this guy exactly and it's and that's yeah. and that's purely you only feel like that because that's purely down to like Peter Jackson and everyone else's just fantastic create like creative output. You know what I mean? Like how they yeah. mastered this uh, this battle. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like once again, it's it's always this um, this you know like building up of like tension and like you know almost like like you say taking you from one moment seeing that like you know. Gimli's absolutely slaying all of these berserker Urukai and like, you know, doing some badass slides across like the stonework and <laughs> then getting them in the crotch. And he's like, Brilliant when, he, like shot. when he slides under the guy's uh, the Urukai's legs, he's like, oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
exactly. And it's just like it's magical. And you know, and then like Aragorn's absolutely slaying. Um, you know, you've got Legolas just like you know doing all of his badassery of like you know coming down like on the shield down the staircase. Oh, that, is, that is a great yeah. shot. Like I remember, it like, is, isn't just, it? You see it, and you're like, oh, and he and he's there arrowing away while he's doing it. You just think. What a cool dude! Like this, this guy. Yeah. Like what? A, what an absolute man! Absolutely, and you know, yeah. Like it's just that wonderful weaving of like you know, oh, they're they're actually doing pretty decent, and then you get the wonderful line from Theoden, you know, saying, "Is this it? Is this all you can summon, <laughs> Saruman?" Oh dear! And then it's like, mate, <laughs> famous mate. last words there. Exactly, because then you know, there's a there's a. Um, a curveball, you know, we have the, you know, the explosion of the deep in wall, the wall is breached. Um, you know, it's just like, and you see that horror on Theoden's face and Bernard Hill, like it, that, that face is so genuine, like to me, you know, I think that's just, um, you know, his worth as a, as an actor's salt, you know, when he looks and just sees that entire explosion and his face is like, what the hell? Like, And, and, it just reads wonderfully when parts of the of the actual bridge and stuff are flying. Like it is, you just sat there thinking again, and you know you got the 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 concern then of like Aragorn, like who's been thrown like so many yeah. feet or wherever, landed down, and and Urukai storming in. But like I, I just think that like Gimli's a bit of a like an absolute hero in this when you know they obviously get back up and they're ready to start battling again, and Gimli just jumps into that yes. like pit of them all and he's just like starts taking them out I'm like mate like hats off to you like it's one of those where exactly. you, as a viewer again if you didn't know the story a lot of the things you'd be thinking this is like another one of those like sean bean moments you know like if this was if that was sean bean he'd be dead yes, <laughs> Gimli would be absolutely dead. but i think that's thing he'd rather die like a noble death Gimli than to let them just waltz their way through and i was like absolutely. what a man Absolutely. And what I love about that as well is that he's giving it his all in this water that is like almost up to his neck. <laughs> and he's just there, like absolutely stabbing away with like the points on his broad axe, just like trying to take him out. And yeah, and then it's just that beautiful, like it, it like you say, it because he's so honorable and trying to like show that he's not just gonna let like, you know, them just like waltz in, it gives then like Aragorn and like the elves behind him, this reinsurgence to like, yeah. you know, push them back. It is just oh, beautiful shot there where they run in, at the uh, at the pikes and everything like that. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just about to say, um, I love that shot when when he says "charge Aragorn" and he holds the blade yeah. up to his head, and the, the the camera just stays at that same point. It doesn't follow Vigo as he moves. Uh, Aragorn as he moves, sorry, like it stays for a second before cutting back to what they're charging at. I don't know why I like that shot so much, but I just when I saw it again today, I was like, oh, this is that's nice. I like that. I like transition. It's it's just like that gorgeous kind of like use of camera, you know, like really sort of giving you all of these like wonderful angles of like, you know, stuff that like you might never see, like when you're, you know, if you was there. Like, you know, if you try and throw yourself into the mind of these, like, um, of these people and, like, these characters, you'd probably never see, like, from that angle, would you? Yeah, because no, you'd be it. seeing it from racing into these Urukai. 
So yeah, yeah it's just it is just gorgeous. The, the cinematography then, in the film in itself is well, in all the films is just yeah excellent. Obviously, again, that's another podcast in itself. The cinematography of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then for me, one of like the very heartfelt things that happens is obviously that Haldir does mm. get struck down. And it seems like it's it's a very unfortunate situation because, you know, he's, you know, very similar to like Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli, slaying away, doing his biz and whatnot. And then all of a sudden he just, he just gets taken out. Yeah. And it's like, oh gosh, like this, like very sort of like powerful elf has just been struck down in his prime. And what I really like about that moment is like, it's like there's this horror of war on his yeah. face when he's like looking around and then the camera just like pans across like the the mixture of dead that are just like piled up on like the the embankments and like on the on the barricades and whatnot and it's like this mixture of like elves and urukai just motionless mm. and it, it almost like adds to that realism that like yeah. the this isn't just you know like it's that Power, well, actually, a parallel, parallel uh, realism of where it's like you're watching it and you're like, you know, there's that suspense in realism where it's like, oh no, they're just actors, yeah. you know, oh, it's probably just like, you know, some models, never mind, sort of thing. Like, you know, they're just laying there. But for that short moment when you're watching it and when you're immersed, it's like, no, these are these are people who have families, you know, maybe not the Urukai, <laughs> but like. <laughs> you know they've all got their own like sort of lives mm. and there they are just dead yeah. because they wanted to fight for the cause of good against evil it's and really it's, it's quite harrowing it's it, really harrowing it is a very good point that yeah it's not yeah like i'd I, yeah i'd never really thought of it in that in that way like bringing that sense of realism to it because like you say mm. it, although it's a fantasy film this other than is just a film right. it is that reminder that this does happen like this is yeah and has happened sorry and probably will continue to happen unfortunately um yeah but yeah absolutely. It's, it's um it's a very good point that I, I never thought of it in that in that sense that's really cut really good point yeah great view of it as well and mm. it is really tragic like i said to lose another you know significant character but they don't do too bad the heroes do the fairness of who they didn't no. lose I'm, that's not to take anything away like from that death <laughs> I'm not no, saying no, course, he's not Legolas, so it's leaving, that's fine. But you know what I mean? They, they, they do they do well not to lose because you, you, you could think, I mean, in fairness, if if good old uh, Gandalf didn't show up uh, when he did, it probably would have gone a much sour route. Absolutely. And I like, I love this, this throwback to it. It's almost like, I mean, it's, it's credit to the way that Gandalf like is as a character, but then <clears throat> credit to just like how in tune Ian McKellen is as well with his characterization of like where he almost like throws away um it's like a throwaway comment about when he's going to arrive um when they are in Edoras and then you know it plays over very beautifully when this um when like you know they're they're cornered in like the actual hall and everything and you know like Gimli's like you know the sun is rising and you know once again it's that feeling of hope Mm. They they know that actually there's there's a strong chance that Gandalf's going to return and hopefully change like the tide of like the situation, um, and it is just like yeah, it's that it's that beacon of hope in the dark in the sense you know, and 
um, it just gives them that like, what's that word? Like renewed, like determination to succeed, mm. especially when they ride out and, you know, you have um, uh, Theoden just being like, you know, like now is the hour that we draw short, uh, draw swords, and then you know the fourth thing lingers, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, the you know the doors just open, and they're immediately on the horses, and with the like, like last charge and everything. Oh, it is just absolutely like incredible, and um, yeah, like I just there's. Just, there's just no words for like just how like I, I've said it like probably seven million times now, but it's just so magical. Yeah. It really is magical. It's so encaptivating you know? that this 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 battle I say with Helm's Deep and it's it's very easy to see why it is people's favourite out of all the battles. Like I can say I, I yeah. completely see the argument about the third one. I again looking forward to talking about that when we do come to it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. this is really like it is up there, and you can see why the two towers, at, you know, in in whatever movie list that you're looking at, or whatever. Obviously, all three are going to turn up in you know the greatest films ever, whatever order it is. But you can see mm. why this one could always like edge it purely down. Not just again, the film itself is fantastic, but I say this battle really does give us just a what an ending, you know what I mean to it. And 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 Gandalf coming at the end, you know, with you know with everyone else, and just. Mm. sorting it all out and that quote at the end which we'll come to obviously Gandalf's famous quote kind of thing it just does like you, it is jaw dropping isn't it like and especially yeah. again we spoke we spoke a lot in fairness about the score in in this particular sequence um but you th- you'd think from maybe a creative point or some you know it's somewhere else probably when Miramax nearly bought it they probably could have done they might have done this <laughs> but like when when he's going down Gandalf and they're all charging you know, mm-hmm. you'd, the music you'd be expecting some kind of like, you know, really, you know, kind of blood pumping, energizing, like you're ready for full on, but not this, not with Peter Jackson or, or these guys. No. It's like pan wide shot, you know, we go out and it's just that classic, like choir, we should say, just singing, obviously, slowly. Mm. It's just beautiful. Like it is, it is such a lovely, and I think it's slow mo as well. It's slowed down a bit, isn't it, when he's, when the, when he's yes. going down? Yeah, they are. And it's um, it almost reminds me of like some kind of like, and again, not to get too philosophical or like religious connotations, but it is kind of like angels coming down to like battle like demons. Yeah, absolutely. You know, most people will know that like that Tolkien was a very staunch and very like strict like uh, Catholic, hmm. um, and a lot of his work does have that similar kind of you know there's that prophecy sort of element yeah. you know there's there is like you know the person who has to make the ultimate sacrifice there's there's a lot of um like similar kind of parallels to like his own beliefs and then how he you know wove it into this you know like fantasy that he created and yeah like it's very true it's and especially with the use of like you know the sun rising actually over the hill and the yeah. way it blinds the urukai yeah. to make it this like blinding force mm. you know it's it, it i can see that sort of similarity there you know like as you know following on from your own sort of um thoughts like angels are always seen as these very bright these very sort of like almost like hard to to look at beings in a sense and you know like i can see that parallel um within that sort of moment as well you know it's just to sort of tie in with your um 
with like your comments about the score, it's almost like a wave crashing into yeah. the shore. You know, like it is very sort of like just this wash yeah. to sort of cleanse the to cleanse the battle in a way. Hmm. And the music just does that as well. You know, this it's got the build up. It's timed beautifully by Howard Shaw anyway. Oh yeah. And then as, and as soon as like the as soon as the the Rahirim crashes in through the pikes and they start taking off helmets with like their sword strokes and everything and Gandalf and Eomer and the others are just absolutely, you know, smiting them. It is just that wonderful, almost like wave upon wave. That's the way I envision it as well. It's it's, it's just wonderful. Like I say, it's such a great ending to uh, the film, as I said, to the, and to the battle, sorry, like bringing, bringing these in. I always think yes. about the, uh, well, obviously, but it reminds me of the animated film this sequence because mm. I remember the the final shot obviously is them going off to do the you know the battle for Middle Earth and yes, that's where it finishes absolutely. and it's always it always stuck with me that ending of of the uh, of the animated series so that seeing this part of the film always takes me back to that time again um, and I, I said Gandalf's quote you know the battle of Helm's Deep is over and the battle for Middle Earth is is about to begin it's enough just to keep you like thinking like. We have just seen one epic battle, guys. Like this, this has been incredible in its own right. We've got another one to look forward Absolutely. to in the next one. Um, it's so true. It is just it, cracking quote. Again, probably I think, and and arguably maybe for for people, um, oh, obviously massive Lord of the Rings fans. But that for me is we we spoke last time about favorite quotes of the film. I would say that is my favorite quote of this film. For me, throughout the entirety of the film. It would have to be, and it's not like it's not one that stands out massively, mm. but it it's it's when um it's kind of like when Theoden like has almost like lost all hope and he says, you know, what can men do against such reckless hate? Yeah. And and in a way it it's very it's got a very resonating kind of um feeling to it and you know obviously like your listeners can take it in any way shape or form you know like in their own minds but for me like it kind of like ties in with a lot of things that we've seen like you know that other people have seen you know like within their own lifetime mm -hmm. we've got to remember that like Tolkien had seen you know battle himself you know within the yeah. first world war um and it's just like it comes from a very real place, you know, that particular line. And I think once again, I can't remember if it is an actual line within the book. It probably is. I'm sure one of your listeners would be able to confirm it or not, but it comes from a very, yeah, like a real place. Yeah. And I think that's why it's even more like, it just sticks out for me yeah, um, as being like one of those quotes that hits home in a way. Again, very good quote, and again, a, a, a very great point. It's um, it's hard to think some of the things that Tolkien will have seen, and so to kind of at times maybe you know use creating Lord of the Rings in this world, it's almost like helping him with his own like personal demons in in a way, and and seeing some of the things he will have seen, that again probably will have been why this battle almost really like kind of imprints on people when they're watching it. One of my favourite all-time Tolkien quotes is um, that the world would be a merrier place if a lot more people just sang and ate good food and just smoked. And I think that is, like, just prominent. I think that's just such a beautiful thing around Tolkien. 
a man of absolute many wisdom and wonder. And, and he, like I say, he brought us arguably the greatest story that's ever been ever been written. Um, one could argue the Bible's a good story, but I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um, just amount, the same amount of bloodshed. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, everything about this battle. It's uh, we we again could sit and do like a whole podcast just on Helm's Deep itself because it is, as I've already said, it's it's, it's a magical and and fantastic visual um, experience, really. And, and Peter Jackson and Co have done such a fantastic job, uh, or did such a fantastic job with with making this come to life. Have we missed anything before we wrap this up? Have we missed anything? Or is that, are we pretty much, other than, you know, Gimli and Legolas doing their counting of how many uh, kind <laughs> are taken out, which again is fantastic, um, which, yeah, is any, have we missed anything? Probably have Not done, that I but... can think of. <laughs> um, I think, like, once again, um, you know, like, like we have touched upon, like, the, the kind of, like, the layering of, like, the attack from the Urukai. Yeah. And I guess, like, just to sort of, like, add it in as a as a final thing is um just i do enjoy the way that they it's like oh so they've got ladders coming up the battlements oh but they're getting sliced down that's fine and then all of a sudden you've got you know the battering ram coming up through yeah. through like everybody oh okay is that it and then you've got the deeping wall exploding but then you have the the massive like anchoring ladders coming up where there's like <clears throat> you know, maybe like a hundred to maybe like two hundred Urukai just like actually holding on. Yeah. And then that's where we get the the beautiful shot of where um Legolas is like, oh, not on my watch, and like sl- you know, just like loses an arrow that cuts through the um like you know the all of like the rope pulleying system, and then you just get the flattening of the uh, the the massive ladder just taking out like yeah. loads of Urukai on the floor. Just once again, just like all ties in with the wonderful storytelling that Jackson does, and to keep that suspense going, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. How would you uh, How would you sum up Helm's Deep in three words? I've, we probably covered all the words in fairness during this, but how would you sum it up in three yeah, words? Yeah, I think we have. Um, epic, <laughs> as, which is one that I think we've both used. Epic. Um, I think there's one beginning with M uh, that we keep saying. <clears throat> yes. For your viewers, magical. <laughs> so epic, magical, and because it's got a hyphen, it's still classed as one word, jaw-dropping. Yeah, we'll go I with that. Say. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. And there we have it. Two towers we've 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 done. We've we've won the Completed battle. Completed it, mate. <laughs> and as always, I very much appreciate you joining me on this episode. Uh, to continue the story of Middle Earth, and, and we're going to be concluding it soon. But again, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this uh, on this episode of uh, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Thank you so much, and thank you to your viewers for getting in touch with yourself and saying just how much they were excited to do this. So, like, apologies, it's taken us a bit longer to do it, but thank you for like holding on for us. It is really, really appreciated. And again, listeners, thank you ever so much for, for listening to this episode. Uh, again, this will be one that will be heavily, heavily edited down and we get our own we get our own extended cut. So if there's demand for it, we'll release the entirety of these in one, you know, it, soon maybe, I don't know. But there's got to be demand for it first. So we'll, we'll certainly see. But we really do appreciate <laughs> you listening. And again, this is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and RSS.com. Check out the Facebook page on facebook obviously searching show vlogs about films but really do appreciate now obviously for your time man and of course you guys for listening take care